0: Hey there, Crimeholics. It's your host, Kinsey, bringing you another brand new episode this week. On this week of Crimeholics, I will be bringing you the solved murder of Shanda Shar. Before I start this episode, I want to go ahead and give a bit of a disclaimer. Shanda was a 12-year-old child, and the details surrounding her murder are quite gruesome. So if you are sensitive to crimes about children or you are sensitive to hard topics in general, I do not recommend listening to this episode. Shanda Shar was born on June 6, 1979 in Pondville, Kentucky to Stephen and Jackie Shar. When Shanda was very young, her parents separated and they had split custody. Shanda's mother, Jackie, described Shanda as a very happy, bubbly girl who loved to hang out with her friends and make people laugh. Shanda also participated in multiple sports throughout her childhood as well. There was nothing about her that would have ever led her to believe that this type of heinous crime would ever be committed against her daughter. When Shanda was 12 years old in 7th grade, she was living in New Albany, Indiana, where she was attending Hazelwood Middle School. Shanda was a great student who did not have any enemies. And I know at this age is when girls start to not be so nice to each other and there tends to be more drama between the girls, but Shanda at this point really didn't have any issues with anyone. While attending Hazelwood Middle School, Shanda meets Amanda Heverin. Amanda was in 8th grade while Shanda was still in 7th. The two of them became really great friends, but ultimately would decide that they wanted to be in a romantic relationship together. While the two really liked each other and everything was going great, the two of them had no idea what events would start to unfold. In October of 1991, Shanda and Amanda were attending a dance together at the middle school when Amanda's ex-girlfriend Melinda Loveless, who was 16 at the time, showed up and started a physical altercation with Shanda, who again was only 12. But before I go any further, I want to give you some background information on Melinda Loveless. Because this 16-year-old girl comes from a really violent childhood, which explains how she ended up committing these vile acts on another human. Melinda was the daughter of Marjorie and Larry Loveless, and Melissa also had two sisters. Larry had served in the army in Vietnam and was considered this major hero to so many people. But what was happening behind closed doors was absolutely horrid. Marjorie stated that Larry was a predator who would do really strange things like he would wear her underwear and his daughter's underwear, put their makeup on, and walk around the house like it was completely normal. Larry would also force Marjorie to have sex with other men and women so he could watch the act happening. Although obviously Larry is a super sick individual, he had a really good job and he made really good money, enough money to pay all their bills, have spending money, and live comfortably. However, many neighbors of the Lovelaces said that Melinda and her sisters would often come to their home starving and unkept because Larry would never use his income to make sure that his kids were taken care of. Larry's behavior was so severe that when Marjorie would refuse to partake in sex acts that he wanted, he would violently rape her and make Melinda and her sisters watch. There was times throughout Melinda's childhood that her father was sexually abusing her, her sisters, and other female family members. Now that I've given you some background on how horribly messed up Melinda's childhood was, let's move forward to what took place after that October night. After Melinda showed up to the middle school dance that October evening, her hatred for Shanda just got worse. Amanda admitted that Melinda would often write her letters telling her how much she hated Shanda and that how one day she was going to kill her to get rid of her so she and Amanda could be together forever. However, Amanda has always held strong to the fact that she never believed any of this was real and she never believed there was any way that Melinda could ever hurt another human being. However, the threats about killing Shanda would continue and Jackie felt she needed to move Shanda to another school in order to protect her so she ended up moving her over to Our Lady of Perpetual Help Catholic School but unfortunately, even with her great efforts, this did not stop Melinda's psychotic behavior. It would only get worse from here and would ultimately lead up to Shanda's murder. Like most teenage girls, Melinda had a girl group and each one of these girls were known as the Troubled Girls who came from really hard homes and upbringings. I'm going to tell you a little bit about each one of these girls before I get into the acts they committed on Shanda just so you have an understanding of who they were. The girls from Melinda's girl group were Lori Tackett, Tony Lawrence, and Hope Rippy. All of these girls are evil. But out of the three of them, Lori Tackett is just as vile as Melinda. Lori also came from a rough background like Melinda. Lori stated that as a child, she was sexually abused, but she never disclosed who her abuser was. She and her mom also had a very difficult relationship. As she got older, her and her mother would often end up in very physical altercations. When Lori was about 15, she became really obsessed with the cult. And for those of you who do not know what that is, it is a practice relating to magic, astrology, or any system claiming use or knowledge of a secret or supernatural powers or agencies, according to the Webster's Dictionary. During this same time, Lori would start to tell her friends that she was possessed by a vampire and she would start self-harming. Lori's mom did put her into a hospital to get her some help and she would get diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Shortly after she left the hospital in 1991, is when she would meet Melinda. During the time of Shanda's murder, Lori Tackett was dating Tony Lawrence, another one of the girls who was a part of this girl group. Tony's background is a lot like the other two girls. Tony had been raped and sexually abused as a child, and had attempted suicide multiple times. The fourth girl in the group was Hope Rippy, who was a childhood friend of Tony. Although there was never really any talk about Hope being sexually abused as a child, like the other girls, Hope was very much struggling with self-harm. On the night of January 10th, 1992, Melinda, Lori, Hope, and Tony were all at a concert. When Melinda says to her friends, I need your help to get rid of Shanda. Later in court testimony, the girls had stated that they had no idea this was going to go as far as it did. One of the investigators on this case stated that if this was a single-person attack, meaning it was just Melinda who attacked Shanda, she does not believe the acts committed on Shanda would have gone as far as they did. She stated that when there is a group of people committing a crime, the acts end up becoming worse because in a way they are hyping each other up or the other people end up becoming scared of the leader, and the leader in this situation was Melinda. Melinda's plan was to have the other girls trick Shanda into getting into a car by telling her that Amanda Heverin was in the car waiting for her and she wanted to talk, but the truth is there would be no Amanda and Melinda would be waiting for her with a knife. The four girls arrived at Shanda's home late in the evening on the 10th and they pulled up to the front of the house. Lori Tackett was driving the car and her and Melinda instructed Hope and Tony to go to the front door to get Shanda while Melinda hid on the floorboard underneath the blanket holding the knife. Hope and Tony were able to convince 12-year-old Shanda to come to the car to see Amanda. Shanda would end up agreeing to go with them and she got in the front seat of the car. Melinda popped up from underneath the blanket and grabbed Shanda by her hair and put the knife up to her neck and started yelling at her about how she stole Amanda from her and how she was going to pay for it. At this point, Lori Tackett knew exactly what was going to happen, and she was all for helping Melinda kill Shanda. The other two girls, Tony and Hope, at this point were not really aware of what was about to take place. The four girls drive Shanda out to the countryside in Madison County into the woods, and when they get there, Melinda and Lori start physically assaulting Shanda. Not only are they physically assaulting Shanda... But Lori was also stabbing Shanda over and over. And before I want to go any further, I want to point out right now that this attack on Shanda lasted an entire eight hours. During this eight-hour attack on Shanda, these girls beat her, stabbed her, and sodomized her. For eight hours straight. That's the act of pure evil. Poor testimony stated that Hope Rippy was scared to death of Lori and Melinda, so she would participate in the attack on Shanda. Hope took part by beating Shanda and would spray cleaning spray on her over and over during that 8-hour time frame. I'm not exactly sure what that cleaning spray was used for, but I'm pretty positive it's for the fact that when she would spray it on her, it would probably burn and hurt so bad when it would hit her wounds. Court testimony stated that Tony was too afraid to partake in the attack and torture of Shanda, but she also did absolutely nothing to stop it. I'm sure she was scared, but she could have ran for help. She could have tried to do something to stop it, but she did absolutely nothing. After the four girls beat, stabbed, and sexually assaulted Shanda, they decided that they wanted to dispose of her completely. The part that really hits me the most of this entire case is right at that moment when they wanted to dispose of Shanda completely, Shanda was still very much alive. Shanda endured every single second of pain and torture that these vile humans put her through, and it only gets worse from here. Melinda and Lori are at the point where they want to completely get rid of Shanda. They want to kill her. So after torturing her for eight hours, the two of them decide that they're going to go ahead and slice Shanda's neck to kill her. But the knife that these two used was too dull. So they sliced her neck, but it did not kill poor Shanda. Shanda had to feel every second of that. And it continues to get worse. Lori decides since slicing her throat did not work, Lori stabbed Shanda one more time in the chest and then put a rope around her neck to strangle her. The girls thought at this point Shanda was dead. So they put her in the back of their trunk of the car and took her over to Melinda's house. While there, the girls just hung out like there was nothing that even happened. Like they did not just torture and hurt somebody for eight hours straight. They just sat there like their life was normal. That was until... They heard screams coming from the trunk of the car. Shanda was still alive. Melinda and Lori decided that the best way to get rid of Shanda is to burn her body. So the girls drove down a road in Madison County in the very early hours of the 11th. They pulled over onto the side of the road, which this is not a desolate area. Where they pulled off the road was very, very open. They wanted somebody to find Shanda. They had no plans at all whatsoever to cover up what they did, which makes me just cringe at the fact that they're just so arrogant about their behavior. When the girls pulled over, they pulled Shanda, who was tied up still, out of the trunk of the car and they wrapped her in the blanket that Melinda hid under when they very first got her in the car. Keep in mind, Poor Shanda is still very much alive at this point, despite being beaten and stabbed over an eight-hour period. They laid Shanda down on the road, and they grabbed a water bottle out of the car that was filled with gasoline, and then they grabbed a lighter. Melinda poured gasoline all over the blanket she was covered in and set it on fire, and they just got into the car and left. These vile monsters left Shanda to burn to death. Tony later told police that after they left Shanda burning on the side of the road, they had returned not long after to make sure that Shanda had burned up. But when they came back, the fire was out, so they decided they were going to set her on fire again. And poor Shanda was still alive when they came back. I just don't even know how to wrap my head around this. This makes me so fucking mad. This is a very young 12-year-old girl. You beat her, you stabbed her, you sexually assaulted her for eight hours straight, and you set her on fire to kill her not once, but twice. I'll never understand how a human can be so evil. Tony said after they set her on fire for the second time, they left and never returned. Just hours after Shanda was brutally set on fire, a man named Don Foley was out and about heading to go hunting to look for game birds. According to the Chicago Tribune, Don served time in the military and is a man who has seen a lot of really horrible things. But what he comes across is something he says is by far the most gruesome thing he has ever encountered. As he is driving through Madison County in the backwoods, he's driving down a road and on the side of the road, he sees what looks to be some type of debris that is burned. Don stated that he exited his truck and when he realized that it was a human body, he was in complete shock to see that the body was badly burned from the mid-stomach area all the way up to the top of the head. Don alerted authorities right away to let them know what he had found. Law enforcement stated that when they arrived on the scene, They knew right away that whoever did this was just evil because they had no intentions of hiding the body and they wanted this body to be found and they wanted somebody to know what they did. The investigators stated that this is by far the most heinous and gruesome case that they have ever worked. And some of the investigators on Shanda's case work for the FBI, so it should tell you how heinous and gruesome this is. Melinda Lovelace is just the devil. I don't have any other word to describe this human except for she is the devil reincarnated. Before word had even gotten out that Shanda was murdered, not long after torture took place, Melinda called Amanda Heverin and told her every single thing she did to Shanda. But Amanda said that she didn't believe it. She said there was no way it was real because it was so heinous. She said those were the kinds of things you would not even do to an animal, let alone another human. On the very same day that they set Shanda on fire, January 11th, 1992, the guilt over what they did to Shanda gets to Tony. And so later that day, Tony goes over to the police station with her parents to turn herself in and tells police everything that took place. The very same day, each of the girls were arrested and booked into jail. One of the investigators on the case says he will never forget how chilling it was watching Melinda call her father to fill him in on her arrest. He stated that Melinda said to her father over the phone very calmly, I've been arrested for murder. And he says this girl showed no emotion, nothing whatsoever. The way he explained it was that if Melinda had just called her dad to let him know that she had a flat tire. You just tortured somebody for 12 hours straight? and set them on fire. How could you have no emotion over that? I don't understand. My heart really goes out for Shanda's mother, Jackie. I cannot imagine, as a mother, getting the call and finding out that my daughter was murdered and tortured in the manner that she was. Not only is that horrible, but Shanda's mother, in an interview, said that she was watching TV, a news segment, and that is how she found out the cause of her daughter's death. Prior to this, she did not know that Shanda was still alive when they set her on fire. She said she was heartbroken, that she was sitting there watching TV and found out that her daughter died from smoke inhalation and that there was soot in her lungs. I cannot imagine that feeling in that moment. Thankfully, each of the girls were arrested, charged, and sentenced to prison. Melinda Lovelace was sentenced to 60 years in prison and has since been released on parole in September of 2019. Lori Tackett was also sentenced to 60 years and has since been released on parole in January of 2018. Tony Lawrence was sentenced to 20 years and she was released from prison just 8 years after Shanda's murder. Hope Rippey was also sentenced to prison for 35 years and she has since been released from prison and she was released just 14 years after Shanda's murder. I think it is really good that each of the girls were arrested, charged, and sentenced to prison. But it really kind of shocked me to find out that all of these girls are now out of prison. I am a firm believer in rehabilitation, but only when it comes to certain crimes and acts. I really wanted to look into how the heck these women ended up getting out early or how they were paroled. And according to the courts, they decided that they were going to really take into consideration each of the girls' childhoods. As you know, each of the girls came from really rough backgrounds, but that is not an excuse to kidnap, beat, stab, sexually assault a girl for eight hours straight, and then set her on fire twice to kill her. That's not an excuse. And so the fact that they used their childhoods as a reason to parole these women just kind of really blows my mind. Especially Melinda and Lori Tackett. Those two are just evil humans, and I do believe that they should still be in prison. I cannot imagine that gut-wrenching feeling that Jackie has, knowing that her daughter's torturers and murderers are no longer behind bars. If you haven't already, I highly encourage you to join a Crimaholics podcast discussion group on Facebook or follow us on Instagram, where I will have pictures to share of Shanda. Cramaholics, as always, beware and take care.